Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven podcast. Today on Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 12 of 7th Heaven. The title is Suspicion, or in Germany, the title is Hand in Hand. Um, our IMDb user synopsis is... While Robbie visits his mother in Florida, Ruthie sneaks in her friend Yasmin Halawi, a Muslim girl who becomes the target of two bullies on the street. All Camdens feel obliged to help the Halawi family, which lived in Glen Oak for years without problems, but every attempt proves hard or even counterproductive. Matt and Simon nearly beat up wrong suspects. Ruthie's private school school's board votes against admitting Yasmin. I was having a lot of trouble speaking there. Um, but anyway, what was your first impression of this episode? Um, I think I actually enjoyed this episode, um, in as much as you can enjoy a 7th Heaven episode. Um, I think that it was good, like, 7th Heaven has always never been afraid to kind of go at topics. I think especially, like, as the seasons go by, they've gotten a lot more confident with their, like, viewer base and with their message, and with their characters that, like, they can bring in uh, what could be considered controversial. is probably still considered controversial now. Yes. Like, whatever many years later. Wait, over ten years later? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot what year it was. It's, like, nearly 20 years, years later. later. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was done really well. Obviously, it was a bit cheesy. But, like, I also really, like... <laughs> but I actually really enjoyed the fact that, like, the good guys didn't necessarily win. Like, um, when we get into the episode, like, the, the crux of it is this fight that happens in the, with the school board, uh, like, where Ruthie and the Camdens are fighting for Yasmin, and all the other parents are fighting against it, like, her, and you know what, like, t- things are, like, uh, in real-life situations don't end up, like, the TV, you know, shows it to end up, and I really appreciate that Seventh Heaven was realistic in its ending, uh, yes. Which we'll, I guess, discuss now. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with the cold open. Um, so we just see Ruthie and a friend um, sneaking into the house and, like, avoiding the rev and, like, I don't know, they're just sneaking around the kitchen. Um, yeah, there's, like, some comedic feel to it where, like, the rev, like, knows that somebody's there but can't, like, see them. But it's, like, very bad because, like, they're not doing a very good job of hiding. No. You can definitely see what's going on. Yeah, and they run right by him. Yeah, uh, but he doesn't notice, and that's it for the cold open. Um, Then when we come back, um, we have... First, um, we see Lucy in her, Mary, and Ruthie's room, and everything is a mess, and she's screaming for Mary and very uselessly shoving things back into drawers. Um, And we learn that... well. She, she suspects that Mary was, like, looking through her drawers, looking for clothes. Um, Mary comes upstairs, and she's like, I didn't do this. By the way, my makeup is missing, and I didn't blame you. Then we go to Matt's room, well, Ru- Ruthie's former room, and his sheets are missing, and he blames Simon. And Simon is like, my Game Boy is missing. So we have all this, like, missing stuff, and Ruthie is nowhere to be found, yet nobody puts this together <laughs> until they all go down. Oh, and Aunt- then there are also, like, cold cuts and cheese missing. So Annie is like, who ate all the food? And they all... Reconvene in the kitchen, and everybody's like, "All of our stuff is missing." There is a brief. I just want to bring up one moment where the Rev starts talking about his wife being a creature of beauty and strength. <laughs> and I'm like, "This is 
out of nowhere. Yes. But okay. Because she will track down whoever ate the sandwich meats. <laughs> and have no... have No mercy. mercy. Exactly. Um, so when they all realize that everybody is there except for Ruthie, they figure out Ruthie is the culprit. And all of them go looking for her in the garage apartment. <laughs> where she has lo- created a... Um, Love nest. <laughs> right, right. So when we first saw R- Ruthie hiding her friend, whose name is Yasmin, I'm not sure if we said that. We haven't said that yet. Um, well, anyway, this this character who becomes known as Yasmin, um, when she's first hiding her, we were like, are they dating or did she kidnap her? Yeah. It <laughs> because was- the way she brings her up to the garage apartment then locks the door, it's like, okay. And so then we see Ruthie... Before the whole family gets up there, we see Ruthie and Yasmin in the garage apartment. And Yasmin is like, this can be our secret place where everything is nice and nothing bad happens. So, so clearly, it's their lo- they're yeah, in love. You know, their little friendship love nest. The good tension here would have been like if the Camdens were like, no, you can't date someone who's Muslim. And then, <laughs> right. That w- <laughs> like outside of the faith. <laughs> um, so... Like, all the Camdens come a-knocking, and they, uh, oh, she opens up the door, and, or, like, the garage door, and they all come up, and everybody's like, okay, Ruthie, what's going on? And this is when we find out that ja- Yasmin was um, attacked on her walk home from school, and apparently this is not the first time that it happened. Uh, they threw a dirt clot at her. A dirt clod, and they were, like, yelling names and things of that nature. And, we uh, don't actually learn what they were yelling, but they're just general harassment. You can presume it has something to do with the fact that she's of Middle Eastern descent and is Muslim and wears a hijab and, you know. Right. Um, so, but yeah, it definitely has to do with what religion she is and what ethnicity she is. And she doesn't feel safe. And that's when Ruthie comes in because Ruthie just saw somebody like her, har- like these boys harassing this girl. So she was, you know, stepping up. Uh, and being a hero, and then Ruthie, like, brought her home to keep her safe. And this is, uh, I think, like, some, one of the Camdens asked, like, oh, if, like, you can't, if they always harass you, if they know where you live, and if they are always following you on your walk home or your walk to school, why don't you take a different route, or why don't you change your schedule? And this is when Yasmin says something quite profound, and I refuse to change my life, I refuse to, to be a victim. Okay. Now, just a word about Yasmin, yes. and actually every single like outside guest actor, guest yeah. actor on this episode, um, none of them could act. I don't know why they like Yasmin has no affect. It sounds like she's literally just looking at the script, reading it for the first time. And then uh, when we meet her yeah. mother, <laughs> she like I'm gonna say what I said during the episode, but her <laughs> acting technique was very similar to the acting technique that the actress that played Cheryl was um, using. Lots of emphasis with like head nods and her lips like were very I don't know she emphasized everything with her lips. In there was a lot of hel- t- head tilts and yeah. like her everything that she was saying was like being explained. It was the point is that like for a storyline that you know, what is very quite, is like, is quite big and, um, important. They timely at t- this time. Tim- yeah. And timely now, timely and time- then. Just timely. Um, it, 
it would have it would have behooved them to um, get some people that could act. Right. Yes. Like act. Like it honestly felt like she was just re- like the uh, the young actress playing Yasmin was just, like reading off a script. So much so that like Aaron mentioned that they she made everybody else in like who she was acting opposite look really good. Yeah. Which is like you know they're not <laughs> the <This> best. Is, <laughs> Seventh Heaven is not filled with like you know world renowned actors. Right. Except for Jessica Biel. Who. Is doing well for herself. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of where we are going to like head off a little bit, where we've set up what the main storyline is, and we're going to see what the different reactions of the Camdens are in, to this. Uh, so we'll start with let's start with Matt and Simon. Okay. So um, Matt, Matt and Simon are kind of like revved up. They're throwing the football back and forth to each other and they're like what we got to do something and Matt's idea is beating up the two guys and Simon's a bit hesitant at first but then he gets really into it because they are men yeah Matt's whole speech is about we have to be a man this is what men do which I was like uh no wrong message yeah um but they kind of get caught up into this and uh, nobody, nobody actually knows who these boys are. So Simon takes the description he's learned from Ruthie and Yasmin, and <laughs> apparently ski caps were really big at this yeah. time too, because the, they're like, oh, it's a tall, skinny guy with brown hair and a ski cap with stripes. So this is what they have to go off of to find these, the, like these kids, um, and Simon, Simon sees someone who matches that description. Um, and he's very convinced that this is the, these are the harassers. So he finds out their names. He's like, oh, George and Jerry Jenkins, the Jenkins jerks. Um, such alliteration. <laughs> so, so he calls, this is so urgent that he calls Matt from a payphone before he goes to school. And he's like, Matt, I found them. That's it's, it's George and Jerry Jenkins. And Matt's like, oh, that's so funny. There's a guy who just came into the clinic whose last name is Jenkins because, of course, this there was like, and and I don't know. That's not an uncommon name, last name. <laughs> like, but it's also like really, yeah. they couldn't be like oh, they couldn't just wait until like oh, there's a guy that came in yesterday or the next day a different guy is co- like a guy is coming. In. Why it has to be right in that moment? Um. So Matt's like oh. He's well. He's a bit like, "Are you sure?" And Simon's like, "I know for positive." So then, um, just to make sure, I think Matt like goes and checks out the guy and like picks up the phone. He's like, "He has this is what his like, he has he's tall. He has dark brown hair. Blah blah blah." And it's like, "Yeah, that's it. That's the guy." And Simon's never seen any of these people before, but he's able to quote unquote correctly identify all of them. So this leads to quite a bit of trouble for Matt. Um, well, I guess not. Not for really. Matt, but yeah. So I don't know what. So first of all, I kept saying this during the episode. Matt works at like a woman's clinic. I don't know what Daniel Jenkins is doing at the woman's clinic. And even worse, like even okay, even if they like see men there, he's there for a headache. He has gone right. to the clinic because he has a headache, and it's like take a nap, dude. Uh, um, before we get into this, uh, before we continue on to the storyline, just a little. Uh, Daniel Jenkins is played by Michael uh, Bovishover. Bovover, sorry, um, and he is most known. I think like I recognized him right away for two reasons. Uh, he is Mr. Pinkman from Breaking Bad, so that's Jesse's dad, and he also played one of the fathers in my favorite Disney Channel original show, The Jersey. This is dating myself quite a lot, but if anybody remembers The Jersey. 
Leave us a little comment somewhere. I don't even remember the jersey. It's a great show. Uh, and then True, he was in True Blood, and he was also in The Shield. And here he has a headache, and he plays a horrible human being. He plays a man who goes to a clinic because he has a headache. Uh, so he is complaining about having to wait, and he's like, I gotta wait with all these women. <laughs> like, here you are at the women's clinic. And um, Matt's like previously told the nurse who's working the like reception desk um, to uh, about the fact that he might like he is the father of two kids that um, like were harassing someone for being Muslim. So the woman isn't like being the nice like the nurse isn't being the nicest to him, but also he's being horrible. Yeah, he's just talking about how women can't do anything. Women shouldn't be in the workplace because once something bothers them, they. Don't get anything done. They get irritable and sarcastic. And I was like, men get irritable and sarcastic too. <laughs> Everyone is irritable and sarcastic. God. Wow, you sound <laughs> irritated and sarcastic. Um, uh, he like very, like very, like he tells the nurse to shut up and then like specifically talks to like Matt about getting treatment. So like there's also that like veiled and not so veiled sexism. Yeah. And he told, and he's like, I want to speak to basic, well, so Matt kind of under his breath is like, okay, yeah, Muslim hater. Um, and this guy's like, what did you call me? And I guess this was supposed to be comic relief. This other guy who's waiting in the waiting room is like, he called you Muslim hater. I feel uh, like this, and I, what, is this the guy that we'll, we'll see in Mary and Lucy's storyline? Is that the same guy? I thought that um, was the same guy. No, yes. Is it? No, I don't know. Okay. Fine. No, I don't think it was. Anyway, um, so this guy's like, I want to speak to your manager. And then he's like, oh, the doc, the, the manager or whatever might be the doctor who checks out your head. You don't want to complain to them. The supervisor. Yeah. And like, for some reason, that is like a good point. So, so he's, he's like, oh, I'm not going to tell anyone that your staff just like assaulted me. Well, verbally <laughs> assaulted me. What I really liked was the way that the, he rea- he reacted to being called a Muslim hater was like, he took it as the insult it was. Well, he, like, well, he had also previously, along with all the stuff about women, he was like, oh, we give health care to foreigners that aren't even born here and I got a headache and I can't even see anyone or like whatever. But I feel like I feel like when you insult someone who, like, actually does those things, they're like, yeah, that's what I am. Like, yeah, yeah you woman hater. I was like, yeah, I am a woman hater, so I don't feel insulted by it. But I really appreciated that he, like, felt insulted by the fact that he was called something. So either way, so, okay, so, the, of course, the big, like, twist in this story is that Detective Michaels calls later and tells Matt that they caught the... the the kids who were harassing Yasmin and that they were eighth graders. And so it obviously wasn't the Jenkins boys. And Matt gets all angry with Simon and he's like, Oh, I like, you know, I yelled at this guy at the clinic and I could, could have gotten fired because you lot, like you gave me bad information, but that guy, Mr. Jenkins, was an asshole anyway. So he he was talking about, far, like, oh, we're giving foreigners health care. And he was, like, hating on women. So Matt should have been an asshole to him. He's Like, he made it sound like, oh, I only did it because you told me to, Simon. But that guy was... Yeah. He deserved it anyway. Um, we will say, I don't really... I thought the point of this storyline was to just kind of shed light and, like, you can't just use somebody's description or, like, vague like, notions about, like, oh, this person wears a sculpt cap, or this person is tall, or, like, as a way to, like... I think they flipped it on its head, yeah. because, like, it, the 
description of the boys who were harassing Yasmin was just like generic white boys. Yeah. So it's just like the same thing with like any other race when like wh- I feel like white people sometimes try to describe someone. It's just like it could be super generic, but they're just like, oh, well, he was black or he was Asian. Right. So like, don't then, you know what they look like? You know. And I, I think like Matt specifically was like, there's a billion people that look like that, which I right. think was like a. Like you can't, like a mirror, of, right. yeah. So I, I appreciated that, and I saw it for what it was, but I don't know if it was like on the nose enough. And I also think the other story here, the other like lesson here, was um, that you can't like fight hate. fire with fire, right. like kind of thing. Hate with hate, kind yeah. Of thing. So like her it, yelling at these these kids I guess there was like justice was served because the police found them and it was like don't seek your own vengeance right what do you like god what's don't it called don't be a vigilante yes yeah <laughs> vigilante justice is no good basically all of my all of my Netflix Marvel binge watching comes in handy yeah um but um yeah I so that was like kind of Matt and Simon's shtick um where Mary and Lucy took a different route um <laughs> Where Mary and Lucy, I'm sorry, Mary, so Mary's first instinct was to kind of beat up these, like, snotty little brats, is what she called them, but Lucy's like, let's go with your second plan, and so their plan is- Wait, before this kicks off, Mary and Lucy have a scene in their room where they're, like, just discussing, like, I can't believe this is happening to Yasmin, she's just, like, a young girl, why would people do this? And Lucy is the worst, and she starts crying because other people- are being victimized. Like, she's like, I'm just so sad for other people. And it's like, really? I hate you so much. Like, she's such a, like, white savior sort of character. Um, And then Mary talks about intersectionality. I know, this was pretty great. um, And for all the, like... How they how dumb they try to make Mary look now. This is a very astute observation, but she's like, oh, those boys didn't just pick on Yasmin because of her ethnicity or her religion. They also picked on her because she's a girl. And I was like, yes, good. She does not exist in this bubble of her ethnicity or her gender or her religion. She is all, all of these, these things. Yes, at once. Whoa. Wild. Mind blown. Um, yeah, actually, they did a bunch of things in this episode where they try to make Mary look stupid. Uh, and I'm like, this was a little bit too much. Usually it's like like one or two jokes, but like every other joke was in Mary's And they brought stupid. up a thing again where they're like, your wacky plans, yes. Mary. And they're like, there are no wacky plans. Name, <laughs> name, me, one I- <laughs> name me one iconic wacky plan. I mean, besides like... Besides, like, the, um... Let's get married, because I'm afraid... Because I don't actually want to get married. Let's get married. Like, that's not the wackiest one I can think of. The rest of them were just, like, misguided. Like, when she babysat both babies and drank the beer and... I don't know. Uh, Okay. Like, that wasn't a wacky plan. That was just, like, a bad decision. Wacky plan has an element of fun and humor and laughter in it. It's like something quirky. Yeah, none of this is fun and humorous or quirky. Well, anyway... So Mary and Lucy's approach to garner up support for Yasmin and her family is that she they are going to get a petition. Like, I don't know what this petition is for. I don't know. It's like to keep the community safe, support our neighbor. Like, uh, yeah, I don't, there's no real goal about this petition. They just want names. I guess they want names of people who are who will support, like, this family's, like, right to exist in this community. 
Um, this kicks off to a bad start where the first person that they go see is a man who's like, we have, a, we have Muslims here? So apparently he's been living there for 25 years and has not realized that there is a family of Muslim, just like a Muslim family in the neighborhood. And he's like in awe and like kind of like not okay with it. And that's kind of how it goes like from there on out. Every single house they go to, they get the door uh, jam, like door slammed in their face. That's the word. That's the phrase I'm looking for. And the last like uh, house we see is a house of um, a Japanese American woman and who they think I guess is going to is going to be the one that'll sign but she also is like no I'm sorry I can't. And uh when it's like when Mary's like I guess we have to give up because we've been to every house. Lucy's like we can't give up and then she gives this speech about Rosa Parks, about Susan B Anthony, about C- uh, Cesar Chavez and they're like right there she's yeah, can't give up. They never gave up. We can't give up. So they go back around and that's when they run into uh this Japanese-American woman again, and she explains how the reason that she's wary about this is because she was in the same place as Yasmin and her family are right now, and they I thought it was good that they brought up the... Internment camps, uh, yeah. This is the second time in Seventh Heaven's like run that they've done this, so that was good. Uh, nice tie-in to... Kind of like what fear can spark in, I don't know, communities, and like how she talks about, like, oh, the you know, the government will take away basic human rights and I don't want my name on anything, on any petition and, like, to be affiliated with, like, if they do decide to do something similar in the future, I don't want to be affiliated with, like, a group, like, the group or the ethnicity um, uh, that um, they're, like, I don't know, interning. Yeah. Um, And that's really it uh, until the end. For Mary and Lucy, we don't know if their petition actually, like, if they actually have any names. I don't think they got any signatures. But they were just walking around. Um, So we'll deal with now Ruthie and, like, what her main reaction is. So, I mean, Ruthie's pretty, the whole family pretty much has the same reaction. Ruthie's reaction is just like, I don't understand why this is happening. Yasmin and her family have every right to be in this neighborhood in this like country as everyone else they're americans so why is everyone you know like why are they harassing her so we meet um yasmin's mom uh nazreen um and nazreen just talks about how like before 9-11 well she doesn't specifically say 9-11 but we are gathering that this is like a before 9-11 and after 9-11 debate She's like, after 9-11, everybody, like, is looking at me weird or asks me about my hijab or, like, is very suspicious of me. But before 9-11, nobody cared that I was there. Nobody looked at the fact that I wore a hijab. Which is bullshit. Let's just say, like, 9-11 did not invent Islamophobia. It just made it stronger. Yeah. Um, And bigger and more prevalent. Um, So we, we get introduced to her. We find out that she's kind of... All, not alone in this, but her husband, Mr. Halawa, um, Halawi, is ill. But the way they made they made they him make sound, it sound like it's a terminal illness, yeah, but like he's, he's got he's got like a cough. Yeah, or like he's bedridden in some way because we don't see him until the very end. Um, but the like, so she and I think the Rev or Annie like says maybe you should. Uh, enroll her in the private school that Ruthie's in, and like there's a scholarship program. And that way, she won't get 
harassed. Okay. The flaws about this. Well, you said it while we were watching yeah. it. It's basically like running away from your problems. Like, oh, you don't like your teacher. Go to <laughs> private school. If, you do, if you're getting harassed by people in the street, go to private school. But that's not going to change anything going to private school because she'd still have to, like, walk home from school. Um, and the problem isn't occurring at school. It's, like, on the street. Right. So, and also everywhere else in life that she has to exist. Um, and then... I forget what my other problem with this was. So, moving on. <laughs> um, we So, the Rev, like, talks to Mrs. McCool. Is that her name? Yeah. Um, and gets her, gets Yasmin a spot, and it's really good news until later on in the day when um, she, Mrs. McCool comes in and says that the board has decided not to, like, not give her the spot because a lot of parents called into board members saying they were concerned about having a Muslim student attending the Eleanor Roosevelt private school. Apparently, they've never had a Muslim student in their midst ever before, and they shouldn't have one now is their logic. So Mrs. McCool, in trying to, like, change the minds of the public, decides to have a last-minute, like, board parent-teacher meeting, and she wants Ruthie to speak at it to try to, like, open up the eyes... Of the... Closed-minded bigots. Yes. Um, at the meeting, we first have, like, a couple of parents standing up and being like, we shouldn't change the status quo. I don't know why this meeting is happening. I care about the safety of my children, and if that safety is um, gone because we uh, we admit a Muslim student, then I, like, I don't want that to happen, blah, 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 blah. Ruthie stands up and gives a great speech, in my opinion, uh, first of all, she calls them, as you said, spineless, spineless assholes. assholes. So she starts her speech by, like, she does the good thing, right? She does a speech where she starts out by giving all the accolades to the school and how great it is. So you're, like, buttering up the board. And then she goes into, like, a specific lesson, like, a specific lesson that she learned in school, which is, like, oh, these teachers are great. And the lesson is about the spine and how it's the most important part of the body. Because and it helps you keep your head held high. And then she turns it around on them. And she goes, and I can't do that anymore if you guys don't let Yasmin go here. And she makes a good point about how it's called the Eleanor Roosevelt School, and she, like, is associated with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And, and how- then she's quoting Eleanor Roosevelt, and, you know... And then she's like, if you don't let this happen, if you don't do this, then I'm going to have to quit. And no one reacts. Um, So she's like, I said I was going to quit school. It's the end of my speech. And nobody cares. The only people like clapping are Mrs. Riddle, Mrs. McCool, and her parents. Yeah. So, um, luckily, I like that they actually like went, I, I both do and don't like that they went through this with this. Because it would have been so easy for the Camdens just to be like, no, that's ridiculous. You're a child. You don't need to care. Like, mm-hmm. you don't need to follow through on this this ultimatum because, like, nobody expected you to anyway. Who I thought the first time I saw this episode, I thought for sure that it was going to end with, um, well, not the first time I saw this episode, probably the second time when I watched it last year. Um, I thought for sure that Ruthie was going to get out of this and they were just going to be like, never mind. She's just a kid. She didn't know what she was doing. Um but Ruthie herself is, like, sitting and pondering it, and she's like, I think i got to do it, because, like, what kind of, you know, conviction do I have if I make this, like, if I present this, like, ultimatum, and then I don't carry through with, like, carry through with it. Uh, this is when we have a nice scene between Mary, <laughs> Lucy, and Ruthie. And in, in which the scene, well, <laughs> Tammy said in the scene that 
Mary and Lucy looked like Ruthie's like lesbian moms because they did. Like, like they were like comforting her, and it just watch the scene if you if you want to see what they were wearing, the way that they like staged it for like one of one of them on the bed, like sitting on the bed with her, the other one standing, and like the way they were looking down at her, like they were her parents. Yeah, but they yeah basically they're like you did the right thing. We're so proud of you. Blah blah blah, um, and. Yeah, so she goes through with it. As I said when I did my first impression, this is what I really appreciate about this because you're not going to change the minds of closed-minded people just, like, with one speech. It's very rarely going to happen that way. So it's good that they showed us that, that, like, sometimes you're not going to win battles like these and you kind of have to, like... As Ruthie says, bite the bullet. Right. And, you know, carry, go through with your, you know, your plan. Ruthie leaving the school kind of precipitates, like, a bunch of, like... Departures uh, by a bunch, I mean two, because um, Mrs. Riddle. So Miss Riddle, <laughs> the the enemy of Ruthie, who just transferred to um, work at the Eleanor Roosevelt School, now is like, never mind, I'm going back to the old school. Which you also had a good point. She just transferred to the Eleanor Roosevelt School because she's mar- like marrying that person who works there. And so, like, they can't have, like, a married couple at the same school, but now they're going to have a married couple at the same school. And Mrs. McCool is going from principal to teacher. Uh, you know, She's taking a pay cut for Ruthie and Yasmin. And for the cause. Yeah. Um, and this episode... Do we have anything else to say before this episode ends? No, right? No. This episode... Oh, no, there is one scene, which I don't know why it happened. There's a scene between the Rev, the Imam... And uh, Mr. Halawi. Mr. Halawi, uh, you might recognize. His name is Farhan Tahir. But uh, he's been a a lot of bit parts that are quite, like, famous, though. Like, he was in Iron Man. He was in Star Trek. Um, He still can't act. Well, this was years ago. Maybe he's gotten better. Um, Took some classes with his seventh heaven money. He he was, like, he was a reoccurring character on Dallas. I think he's a reoccurring character on Once Upon a Time. So, um... They all get together out... So he works at the printing shop? Is that what we're supposed to get He owns the, like, copy shop. Okay. Um, Yeah, printing copy shop. And um, since he's been sick, he hasn't been able... He he can't afford to hire employees, so the shop has just been closed for, like, a week while he's been sick. But like we said, it's not like... He has, like, a cold. Right. And um, the I guess the Reverend and Mom are there to help him run the shop because they're like, you're open for business today. And I'm like, this is such a strange thing to add at the end of an episode that we've never seen this man before. And nobody even made clear what he was, what he does with his life. I was like, why are they standing in front of the shop? Like, <laughs> it makes no sense. But anyway, the episode ends with this walk. <laughs> <laughs> All the people who wouldn't sign the petition come out now in support of Yasmin. And it's a bunch of children. It's their parents, the neighbors. It's a Japanese-American neighbor from before. Mary and Lucy run out in their lesbian gear <laughs> wanting to, um, like, support Ruthie and Yasmin. And Ruthie and Yasmin are at the front of this holding hands, thus the German hand title, in hand. hand in hand. And it's a great end. Mary and Lucy want to show support for their young lesbian daughter. (laughs) Guys, this is just our fun, obviously, with this. We don't mean to offend. You know, it's just fun when you. It's fun to watch things back and realize, like the like the the subtle, yeah, yeah, like suggestions you can read into it. Yeah. Um, And uh, Robbie was not in this episode, as we mentioned, because he was in Florida, and the only person that missed him was the Rev. (laughs) 
because he couldn't eat all his breakfast. But this is the first episode for a while where, it's, where the opening credits was just the Camden family. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I think I will. Solid five yeah, out of seven. I think I will, too. I don't know if that's mostly because of my own added input into it or because it was actually a five, but we're just gonna, I'm going to give it a five. Well, minus the acting on on the behalf of, like, all the guest actors, it, it was a pretty good episode. Yeah, no, I agree. They I, they did a really good thing where they didn't venture too much out of, like, what the issue was because sometimes the issue episodes, they give all the Camdens a storyline to relate to it, but this time they, like, kept it very at the core, which I appreciated. Um, I mean, I could have done without um, Matt and Simon. Oh, yeah, yeah. obviously. Um, but they had to give him something to do, apparently. Yeah. Um, so you can catch us on our social media. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at Camden Cast Show, and on Facebook we are Camden Cast. Um, you can listen to us every Wednesday and Saturday or any other day of the week, but new episodes are out on Wednesday and Saturday on soundcloud.com slash campingcast. We're also on the Stitcher app and on the Apple iTunes podcast app. I'm Tambi. I'm Erin. And this is Camdencast. Cast.